Well, good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. We're glad you could join us this morning. Uh, I want to say a welcome to all of our satellite locations, locations in Cool Springs meeting at Bricks, and Nolensville meeting at Highway 55, and in Nashville meeting at Flavor Catering at Jason's uh, place of work. So that's exciting. So um, I want to remind everybody that we're going to go for about 30, 35 minutes, and then we're going to have some time for questions. So if you have questions and want to get those, those into us, you can do that two ways. One is through email at questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com, or the second is by tweeting them in at leadership underscore net, and we'll put up a reminder about halfway through uh, so you can remember to get some questions into us as well. This morning, it's my privilege to introduce Jason Crockrell. Jason began his career in Nashville as an entertainment caterer for movies, concerts, and other productions while traveling across the country. He later then joined the culinary staff at the historic Merchant's Restaurant as a line cook. Over the next few years, he was promoted to sous chef and continued up the ranks until he became the corporate chef over four restaurants. At that point, he left to assist Green Hills Grill and their expansion of three new restaurants. It was shortly after this point in his career, which involved high amounts of travel, that he decided to take his profession in a direction that would allow him to be home each evening with his beautiful wife and now two daughters. Thus, Flavor was born. In a few short years, Flavor has created Mills, with its distinct style of service and food for clients including Live Nation, CMA, Skimmerhorn Symphony, Ryman Auditorium, Vanderbilt Medical Center, Universal Music Group, and many, many more. Jason, Leah, Elsa, and Selma have been Rolling Hills partners for over nine years. This partnership over the years has included hosting community groups, launching Celebrate Recovery, teaching Sunday School, and being a member of A6. Please welcome me in joining Jason Crockrell. Jason. Oh, hey man, thank you so much for doing this. This is fantastic. Awesome. So, hey, tell us a little bit about your family, but also your faith journey. Yeah. Well, let me say, I mean, I'm just humbled uh, to get the opportunity to be here. And some of the guys that have come before, I mean, I think about Joel last week and did an amazing job. And um, also want to give a shout out to the guys downtown, 618 Ewing today. You know, hopefully the sausage biscuits got down there okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of a faith journey. You know, it, it really goes back to when I was, um, was a kid and my parents were just really intentional about Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night. I mean, we were in church every time the doors were open. Um, my brother and sister were just great Christian role models, uh, great students, and um, so just really blessed to have that core. Um, I think about the age of 16 or so, um, I found myself in a stage where it was really just questioning things, um, and I guess it was probably, if I'm being honest, it was kind of a rebellious time for me, mm-hmm. um, and it really started a dark time. Uh, you know, I, uh, I walked away from my faith for a good period of time, um, and really spent about 10 years just kind of wandering. Uh, went into a pretty dark lifestyle. Uh, drugs and alcohol were a big part of that, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it, it was only through the prayer of uh, my parents, my mom, being on her knees, you know, on a daily basis, just praying for me to come back to God. Um, fortunately, uh, you know, towards the end of that time, I, I met Leah, my wife, and uh, I just remember seeing her for the first time, and I was just blown away. I'm like, you know, this girl's amazing. Uh, you know, I'll do anything, whatever, whatever it takes. I'm going to figure this out. Um, and, you know, when we first started dating and then even as we just got married, you know, Leah was like, listen, those things are not going to be a part of our lifestyle. They're not going to be a part of our family. 
And, um, you know, if we want to continue this, then, um, you know, you're going to have some decisions to make. And um, she was really the spiritual leader of our home in the very beginning. Mm. Uh, drew us back to church. And um, so, like I said, I was willing to do whatever. I'm going to, you know, I mean, if that's what it means, I'm, I'm putting it all down. I'm going to make it work. But uh, she brought us back to church. And I remember, um, you know, we, were, we had started visiting churches and uh, went to a church church. Uh, and the, the pastor came out, and he was wearing jeans and Birkenstocks and, like, a flannel shirt. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't know that was an option. Like, I mean, I grew up in the clip-on tie era, you know. Like, um, and I was like, hey, I can, I can, you know, be who I want to be and, like, come as I am. And, and um, I was really drawn to that. And so that was kind of the first step of me kind of com- comfort level in church. Um, but the other thing was accountability. Um, you know, they, they were asking for uh, people that were willing to teach second grade students, and I had no clue what I was doing, but I raised my hand. I was like, I'll do it. But the thing that gave me was accountability, because then every Sunday morning, man, those kids were sitting there waiting for me, and I didn't have a choice. Like, I had to be there. Um, you know, too, and then when we came to Rolling Hills and, and uh, we immediately plugged into a community group, same thing, man. That community group, those people were there every Sunday, and they're looking for me. Hey, where were you on Sunday? So we had that accountability. So I think early on, like, plugging in and getting involved and having, you know, people that really required that of you mm-hmm. um, made all the difference in the world of, you know, kind of where I was and where I am today. Yeah. Jason, it's amazing. And uh, I love the way God works in our lives and draws us back to himself, and he's constantly pursuing us. And and I remember when you guys came to Rolling Hills, I remember being in the movie theater, and, uh, yeah. and there was a struggle that was going on there, because, you know, as Thomas mentioned earlier, you were, uh, you know, merchants and at Green Hills Grill, but yet you had this calling or this desire to start your own, you know, catering company. Tell us about starting Flavor and how that all came about. You know, I had been, uh, been a chef in Nashville for about 15 years and at that point, and um, you know, chef's life is, you know, mostly weekends and nights and long hours. I mean, it was, I mo- mostly worked seven days a week uh, when I was in the restaurant business just because it was my baby. It was my thing, you know, it was my food. I had to be there. Um, and so just didn't really have that quality of life um, that I wanted to. And um, we found out that we were going to have our first child, Elsa. And, um, Lee and I were sitting there talking, and I was like, you know, I got to get out of the restaurant business because I want to be, I don't want to be that dad that's not there. I want to be intentional about being at home and being present. And so um, I, I, start, I took a job uh, as the chef of Baptist Hospital for a big corporation that did food service for hospitals. Um, and it was definitely the antithesis of what I thought I would have been doing when I went to culinary school. Like, I saw these big chefs, and I'm like, oh, I want to be the chef at this fancy restaurant, you know, it was kind of all about being the chef. And being a chef at a hospital is not a really, you know, <laughs> glorious thing. You know, um, low-sodium diets are not very exciting. Um, but, um, y- you know, it was, I wanted to be intentional about being at home, and that gave me this quality of life. Although it wasn't very glamorous, it gave me the time to be at home. Um, but. I'd been there for a couple of years, and the corporation that I worked for lost the contract. And, and it was interesting because I had always been that person that kept achieving that next goal and working hard. And, like, I went from line cook to sous chef to chef to corporate chef, and it was just, it came natural to me. And so to lose my job kind of in that 
by no fault of my own, was really hard for me. I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, why is this happening? So they came to me and said, you know, we want you to travel and, and be on the road four or five days a week, and you're going to be over this big region. And we had just come to Rolling Hills at that time. Uh, we had a one-year-old. Uh, I had a new, so I had this new church home, this new child. I had just moved into a new house, and I was like, I don't want that. I don't want to be gone five nights a week. And so um, it's interesting because Rosanna, Leah's sister at that time, came to her and said, you know, I think... Jason would do his own thing if you would support him, which was really crazy because not, you know, it's kind of a random like, hey, I think you, you should support your husband in doing this. And it's kind of out of left field. So immediately Leah comes home to me and is like, hey, would you do your own thing if I supported you? I was like, yeah, I probably would. She's like, well, okay, we're going to do it. And so, um, you know, with two weeks uh, and about, you know, a couple thousand dollars, I didn't have a kitchen. I didn't have any clients. I didn't even know what we were going to be called. Uh, I quit my job, and uh, I remember sitting around the table with Rosanna and Ricky, and we were just talking about, like, what should we call this thing? What should it be? Um, interesting thing happened. I was looking for a kitchen. I didn't have any place to produce food, and I, I called. I heard about this kitchen that was available, and I happened to call, and I was like, hey, I need this kitchen. You know, could we work something out? And the guy was like, hey, I used to be a line cook for you like five years ago. You remember me? And I was like, yeah, I remember. He's like, you can have anything you want. Just, you know, gave it to me. Come down here and run it. Um, and so we were just, you know, just really blessed. I mean, I look back at the, the faith journey that has been this time of, you know, I can remember after the first year or so of, uh, of you know, being in business. And I remember coming to a point where I didn't even know if we were going to make payroll. And somebody came and said, hey, I've got an event in six months, but I really want to go in and pay you now. And it was just the amount of money I needed to pay payroll. Like, who does that? Like, who just gives you money? Like, hey, I need you this, you know? Um, I can remember, you know, you know, like I said, you know, we needed that kitchen and I couldn't find it. I'm looking for it. And God just provided, like, over and over. There's so many steps along the way. Um, I do think, too, one thing, uh, you know, we were here after the first couple of years and, and uh, we had been at Rolling Hills for a while. And, I think like a lot of guys, I was really trying to physically do it all myself. Mm. And I was working as many hours as I could. And I was, I was, you know, it was all about me and like what I could accomplish. And uh, I remember being here on a Sunday morning and you gave a message and um, you had us all just lay out our hands. Mm. You said, open your hands. And you said, you know, you're, you got to turn it over to God. You know, you're not in control. And it was exactly what I needed to hear at that moment because I was doing everything I could physically and mentally, you know, with, of me, but I hadn't given it over to God up to that point. And that's really what he wanted. He wanted me to just turn it over to him. And from that day forward, man, it's just like, you know, work that, you know, more work than we can handle. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. And you fast forward nine years and uh, I mean, you're, basically the number one caterer in Nashville and <laughs> you do every big event, you know, I mean, every artist, every musician that comes through town. I mean, you know, in Ryman, the Opry and everything. Um, do you have any good stories? Any good stories about uh, <laughs> people you've done catering uh, for, writers that you've had? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we, have, we have plenty of interesting stories, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, you know, Lee and I were talking about this uh, as I was thinking about this. We ask all of our staff when they come to work with us because we put them in environments where they're around a lot of famous people and they're privy to a lot of 
information about likes and dislikes of artists. And so we asked them to sign a, uh, a privacy agreement. Um, and so in respect of that, I have to be kind of, I have to be mindful of the things that I share. Um, although I didn't know what an organic goji berry was until it showed up on a rider, but apparently that's a thing. Wow. So, um, but I can't tell you one really cool moment that I had. Um, we were catering at the Ryman and um, I was there outside of Aretha Franklin's dressing room and I was just, I was there to make sure that basically she had whatever she needed. And uh, I remember the moment she came out of the dressing room and she had this kind of overcoat on and she walked out to the edge of the stage and they're playing respect. Like the music's going, you know, the crowd's into it. And she drops this cape and she's in this sparkly dress or whatever and the lights come on and she walks out and just goes straight into respect. And I'm like, Okay, I'm done. <laughs> like that's you know that's Aretha Franklin. That's I mean she's an icon. Yeah. You know? So um, we do. We get to be in a lot of really cool environments, and mm -hmm. uh, it is it is a lot of fun. It's a little bit crazy sometimes, yeah. but you know the thing about even this month, you know we get catered for guys like Chris Stapleton and Sturgill Simpson and Jason Isbell, and so I mean that's the thing. Like Leah and I've always been to the music into the music experience, so we get to play our role can't sing so yeah yeah it's what I do but you, you yeah, make I, it happen I, I can make us some food yeah <laughs> and you're good too yeah. and Jason tell us I mean how many employees do you have now I mean as you look at this and how has your business grown through the years um oh, wow uh how has it grown um you know we probably have uh I think we sent out 150 W2s last year so wow a lot of a lot of folks um we're really blessed to have a lot of folks that are just you know they come into our lives they may work four hours a month they may work 40 hours a week it just uh so we have a you know pretty wide base but I think about the growth um and where it came from you know really it's just I go back to the journey of faith I mean um you know we've I see a lot of folks, you know, whether they're starting their own business or a career path or whatever it may be, it's, uh, I think you just have to be fully committed. Mm. You know, um, you've got to jump in. You've got to have that faith. You've got to be willing to, um, to just, you know, when I say full commitment, knowing that there's really no option. Failure wasn't an option for me, yeah. you know, and so... Um, the challenges would come and, and these big jobs, I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I've committed to jobs six months before they happen and think, I have no idea how I'm gonna pull this off, but here we go, let's go. Wow. But failure is just not an option. And I think when you're fully committed like that, um, you just, you don't leave room for, uh, to, to back away or to be yeah. intimidated by it. I love that. Tell me this, how, you know, has your business, I mean, it's, totally grown and exploded. I mean, you know, next couple of weeks, I mean, you got Vanderbilt and homecoming and then you've got CMAs. And mm -hmm. you, I mean, how have you helped create a culture? Because people love to work for you and people love, I mean, when you talk to somebody in there at Flavor, man, they love it. How have you created that environment that your employees love being there? Um, I'm, I'm, I really am. I'm blessed to have great people. Mm. And really, the people are what set us apart. I mean, a, a lot of people, I know to people who don't cook, it seems intimidating, but a lot of people can cook good food and take it to people and, and, and you know, the logistics and all that. But really, it's about the people. Mm. Um, that's the thing time and time again I hear is just, you know, we just have, we have great people. Mm. And it's really, we have a culture. Um, you know, kitchens are an environment that are, uh, full of knives and fire and can be a pretty dangerous kind of 
scary place. Um, but we uh, really require of our, of our staff uh, that, that they um, work in a culture and an environment that is, is, we call it family friendly. But, you know, at any point, my five-year-old or my 11-year-old could walk into the kitchen. And so the language and the, and the, and the music that goes on and, the, and everything that goes on around that needs to be where anyone's comfortable in that environment. Uh, and it's safe. Um, and so I think that's different. And I think at first it kind of takes people back. They're kind of like, um, so you're going to tell me what I can and can't listen to or I, what I can and can't say? It's like, listen, you're an adult. You can, you know, on your time, you can do what you want. But in, in this space, we're, we're, we're creating an environment that's safe for everybody. So having that culture, and it really, um, it just, it bleeds through. Mm-hmm. And, and people see it. It's evident. Um, our people are just different. Um, and, and I think, too, also, you know, knowing kind of where my leadership skills end and, and being willing to, to, to uh, be vulnerable mm. and, and reach out for help. I mean, finding mentors and other leaders that can step in. I mean, you know, when I first started this, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure you experienced a lot of this yeah. when you started Rolling Hills. It's like... You, all you know is what you know, and you build this thing. And, and it's not like other catering companies are going to go, hey, here's the roadmap. Yeah. This is everything you need to know about running a catering business. So, you know, we build it and design it with the best of our knowledge. Um, but there comes a point where my leadership ends, my leadership abilities. And so finding other mentors or leaders, you know, through uh, coaching or, you know, different programs that can, that can feed into you and say, hey, here's some best practices, or have you thought about doing this? And building that community of other leaders, too, I think is really valuable, whether you own your own business or you're managing business or whatever your role may be. And I want to compliment you on that because I, I do think you've done that well, you know, because it, it is leading at a size when it's you and Leah, you know, and you're a great chef. You're an incredible chef. But leading at that size versus leading at, you know, when you have 50 employees or 100 employees or 150, it, that, that takes a different uh, leadership style and uh, You've grown in that, and and how have you done that? You talked about mentors. You talked about uh, talk about because you you've done some coaching too. Yeah. Um, so I started working uh, with a group called Convene, um, and it has a coaching element in it. Yeah. So I've got a, a CEO coach, although I've never called myself a CEO. Um, but it's got some coaching element. But then it also has a small group where I work with other Christian business leaders, um, and we meet once a month and work through you know both the Christian aspect of the, the, from a devotional side and, and kind of a, from a spiritual side, but also from just a real tangible, hey, these are things that are going on in the market and these are things that are going on in business, you yeah. know, whether it's health insurance or you know, um, just employee issues, HR, that kind of thing. Like, how do you handle these things? So finding best practices. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing too, you know, just specific that came out of that was um, from the element of conflict. Um, and working through conflict. I mean, I know that, you know, my natural tendency is to, um, is to shy away from that. Um, I grew up uh, in a family that we didn't really, um, you know, those, we weren't real uh, straightforward about dealing with the issues, kind of, let's push that aside and, and let's just, you know, it'll go away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so having, the, having conflict is really hard. 
Uh, and nobody likes it, you yeah. know, but my natural tendency has always been to kind of withdraw when that comes up. But I think being willing to step into conflict. Um, one quote that I heard through convene that I thought was really, really important was, um, conflict is the price we pay for a greater level of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really applies not only in business, but also at home. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, like I said, growing up in, in my family, we didn't really, we didn't really uh, address a lot of that stuff. When I married Leah, I can remember the first time something came up and of course I was kind of drawn away and she was like, uh-uh, no, come here. What do we we got to talk about this. We got to deal with this. You know, we're going to, we're going to sit down and we're going to work through this. And that's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the backside of that, the intimacy and the relationship is so much greater, mm-hmm. both in a personal and in a business. Yeah. Um, and it draws pe- people closer together. Yeah. And, they, and they know that like, hey, we're gonna deal with stuff. Mm. So you can't hide. You can't just push it under the rug. I'd rather know. And it starts too with us being vulnerable as leaders mm. and saying like, hey, I made a mistake. Mm. And letting everybody know and not being afraid of, of showing your failures as well as your successes. Mm. Um, because ultimately, if you don't provide an environment where it's safe to express your failures, um, they're, you know, they're, gonna, they're just going to hide it somewhere. And, it's, and ultimately, it's going to be a problem and it's going to fester and it's going to show up somewhere. So mm. I think you know, developing a culture where we're not afraid to dig in and deal with the tough issues. Yeah. Well, Jason, I love that because uh, I think leaders are learners, right? And so you never stop learning. You never stop growing. And I've seen that in you and this hunger to get better at at what you do. Uh, And so even in your leadership, what do you think is the most important about creating a work culture, uh, both positive and negative? What what do you think are the, the biggest impact there? Maybe conflict is one of those or dealing with conflict. Yeah, I, I, and I think, too, um, being available, mm. um, you know, we get a lot of demands on our time. Yeah. Um, we're pulled in a lot of different directions. And so, uh, you know, I think just as soon as I, I feel like I'm diving into something that I've really got to work hard on and I've got to spend some time on, whether it's on the computer or whatever, somebody walks in and like, hey, you got time for a second? You got can I ask you a question? You got time to talk? And my natural tendency is like, you know, no, I don't. I really don't. Like, I got a lot going on. I got to do all this stuff. But in that moment, I've got to stop and I've got to be, uh, you know, available Mm -hmm. and say, okay, let's, you know, let's take this time. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, from a, from, you know, from a spiritual aspect, I mean, think about as a culture, you know, as a Christian business. Um, You know, these conversations come up when we're riding in a van to go set up for an event or wherever it may be, but, but being available for those conversations to happen and um, being open about your faith and, and being prepared to share. Um, you know, God's going to plant those seeds and he's going to give those opportunities, but we have to be prepared and willing to, to, to be available when those things happen. Mm. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's what separates flavor from, you know, other good companies is that you've built a Christ-centered culture, you know, and, and, uh, and there's a difference there, you know, and, and I think for all of us who, you know, many men who are watching this or many men who are here, you supervise people or in some type of leadership aspect in our work, but how have you created a Christ-centered, how do you bring Christ into 
flavor into the company? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's about being open mm. and, and, and honest about your faith. I mean, we start at the very beginning when we, you know, we, we, we interview employees or we um, are in the hiring process. Uh, I let them know that when Lee and I started this business that we were intentional that our faith and our beliefs were going to be the core tenets of our business. And listen, we work in the food service industry and we're in, you know, in the music industry and doing these events and stuff. Not everybody believes the same way that we do. And I get that. I mean, we have folks that come from different belief systems, you know, different sexual orientations, you know, a lot of different backgrounds. And, um, and that's great. You know, we want them, uh, we want all these folks in a big melting pot into our business. But the thing that they've got to understand is that our faith is the core tenant. Mm-hmm. And so we require them only that they carry themselves in a way that represents our faith and our family well, regardless of their belief system. Um, uh, and so being intentional. And I think too, you know, like we've been blessed with a lot of resources. I mean, we were blessed with this opportunity to have a building downtown, right in the middle of downtown and, and using that for things like men's leadership this morning or thrive tonight. Like how cool is thrive? I love it. I mean, last week having Carlos there talking about racial tension and I mean these things, but using those resources and, and so it's public to our, to the folks that work with us, like, Hey, this is what's really important to us. Mm. And we're going to take these resources that we've been blessed with and we're going to use them for God. And you can participate in that. And then also too, you know, being a part of JMI. I mean, we've sponsored kids through Flavor from, you know, I don't know how many, I think from the very beginning. But uh, being intentional about letting our staff know that like, hey, what the work that you're doing serving these people is not only benefiting those folks, but it's benefiting folks in Moldova Mm. and Red Hill and Mm. Amazon. You know, I mean, so um, whether they choose to believe the same way or not, they're having an impact Mm -hmm. um, for Christ. Yeah, I I love that. I think what you've done is you've looked at every aspect that God's given you, you know, and every resource and said, okay, how can I use this for God's glory? You know, and if it's a building, you know, if it's our staff, I mean, you know, you, you cater the entire JMI gala. I mean, it's it yeah. just, and I love, I mean, that's your heart, you know. Uh, how have you, because I think this is important, but how have you kept Christ first and your family as priorities amidst all the growth, amidst all the success, mm-hmm. right? Um, how have you done that? Because, I mean, there's dollars, and the more gigs you take, the more money you make. You know, it, how have you said, no, this, my priorities are going to be Christ, and my priorities are going to be my family? You know what I'm saying? How, do you, how have you done that? I think, the, you know, the honest answer is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a struggle yeah. every day. Um, I think, you know, as an entrepreneur and a small business owner, as you kind of get out into that world, and really in any aspect of business, but more and more opportunities come your way, right? And so people are like, unfortunately, everybody thinks they want to be in the restaurant business. <laughs> I don't know why, like, um, because it's really hard. Um, but um, so you get all these different people coming to you saying like, hey, uh, you know, I want to do this or I want to, you know. And so what Leah and I, we've even been intentional about putting a filter in place that says that if a new opportunity comes our way, and I can delegate some of the responsibilities that I currently have to free up some time so that I can take on this new responsibility or this new opportunity, then I can take it. 
But if I can't do that, and it's gonna it's gonna require more time than I'm currently given to the business, then I have to walk away from it. Wow. And so that filter has stopped a lot of things, a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, and and just being intentional about that and protecting it. Um, I don't I don't have any real hobbies outside of work because uh, I don't have time for them. Mm-hmm. You know, when I leave work. Everybody knows where I'm going. I'm going home. I'm going to be with my girls, and I'm going to enjoy as much quality time as I can. Mm. I think that's huge because if you don't have that filter, right, mm. it's like you start taking everything. Yep. And then what you got in to do this for, you know, so mm-hmm. that you could have time at home or you could have, you know, prioritize Christ, prioritize church, uh, pretty soon this takes over. Yeah. And uh, I think that's wise advice to all of us, you know, wise advice to me. Um, just thinking about that. Uh, give us two takeaways as you, as we think about being a spiritual leader, uh, and we talk about spiritual leadership. Give us two takeaways for us as men on being spiritual leaders. You know, I think um, uh, it, for me, it's about service um, that we're called to serve. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think about, you know, the verse says, that, you know, even the Son of Man came, God came to be, uh, not to to, to, be, to serve, not to be served. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, that's our role. We have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to serve my, my staff well, my teammates. I have a responsibility to serve my family well, and then also the community. Mm. Um, and so service is, you know, uh, a big part of it. And I think the other thing is faith. Um, you know, I was listening to a podcast, a sermon the other day about the story of Jesus and the disciples in the boat and, and, and the storm coming. But even before that happened, Jesus said, get in the boat and let's go across the lake. And across the lake was a place that was out of their comfort zone. It wasn't a place that they would normally go, right? And so just that step of faith of being willing to get in the boat and go across the lake, and I don't know where that is for other people. For me, it was starting my own business. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for some folks, it may be a new career path or whatever it may be. but just being willing to have that leap of faith. Um, and then the storms come, right? And they continue to come. I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years and I can't tell you the number of storms that we've experienced. But in that moment when he says, you know, we have, we have to wake Jesus up to say, hey, Father, there's, there's, this is going on. And he says, where's your faith? Didn't I, didn't I help you before? And, and every step along the way, you know, whether it was, you know, payroll or clients or kitchen or whatever those may, he answered every time. Mm. And so just, you know, resting in him and knowing that he's going to show up in the storm. He's going to be there. He's, he's there now. Wow. That's powerful for all of us, isn't it? Especially in this day and time in our country and everything else, just knowing that. <laughs> God is sovereign and we're called to walk by faith and trust and yeah. God's going to take care of it. Yeah. yeah. So what do you want your legacy to be? Um, I think real simply just that, that, I, that I loved and served well. Mm. I loved those around me. I loved my girls <laughs> and my family. Um, and that I served people well. And really my hope is that my girls will carry that legacy on and they'll do the same. And I think if they do that and they're willing to do that, I'm good. That's awesome. Yeah. Here you are as like the best chef in all of Nashville. And 
before. Yeah, uh, you're up there and, uh, and this incredible business, but I think your priorities have really been the distinction, you know, and, and you've created a culture that people want to be, want to serve, and um, I just want to commend you for that. And as you think about that, that you want to love and serve well, man, wouldn't that, that's a great legacy for all of us. I pray that in my life. Um, you know, Jason, you, we could talk a lot about, uh, you know, the culture you've built and the things you've done. Um, but I also think it would be cool not for you just to talk about that. I think it would be pretty awesome to hear that from some other people too. So we uh, took a video camera down. You didn't know this. And okay. <laughs> we interviewed some of your employees. And uh, so I want you to hear what, what some people said who work for you and work with you. Okay. <laughs> My name is Travis Binkley. I've been working at Flavor for about ten and a half years. The thing I love about working with Jason is uh, he treats everybody with a lot of respect. Uh, he puts a lot of trust in his employees to get the job done without him having to micromanage. My name is Mary Nell Hayes, and I have been with Flavor for about three years now. Jason um, influences the office culture um, in the way that he's created this family environment, and he, that's a phrase that he uses a lot, that we're a family here. Um, just the way that he kind of embraces us all for who we are, and um, but one of the biggest things too for me about Jason is that he's going to get it done. So he's not scared to um, do the hard work. He's not scared to load up a van or um, you know to jump in the kitchen on occasion. And he's willing to do so much work. And um, he just leads by that example. Um, and at the end of the day, him and Leah lead this place um, with a Christ-like attitude, and that's what's the most important. I am Jenna Lee. I've been working at Flavor for a year and a half. Jason, as a founder and the owner of Flavor, is um, such a special guy and um, he is really open about his faith and um, just spreading the word about Jesus, just even to our clients and um, to our employees and um, he's, got, he's got such a great attitude and you know, makes um, a fun environment to work in, and um, that's one of the things that drew me into Flavor was um, Jason and Leah. My name is Liz Leggett. I've been here at Flavor for about maybe three and a half years now. What makes Jason so special here is how he treats everyone, and he treats everyone equally and fairly. Bottom line. Jason does treat everybody with a lot of grace. People mess up, do the job wrong. He's not one to jump on somebody and, you know, be the angry boss. He's the person that treats you with God's grace uh, that, uh, you know, God has shown him. So that's why I respect him a lot. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Thank, thank you for living it. I mean, seriously, thank you for living it. I mean, you're impacting so many lives. And uh, I just wonder if people brought a video camera into every place we work, you know, what, what people yeah. would say. But, but we have that opportunity to, to create a culture wherever we are uh, that would put Christ first. And, uh, and, and you've been doing that, you and Leah. And so we're proud of you and we're thankful for you. So, hey, we've got time for a couple of questions. So... Uh, I don't know if you can answer yeah, after that. Yeah. <laughs> this will be a little bit easier probably. Yeah. Um, Jason, how has God's provision early in your career changed the way that you plan for the future of flavor? How has God's provision early in your career? Um, you know, I think um, 
just seeing God's hand, even, you know, when I first started cooking and, and different places that he took me and he was preparing me all along the way. There were places, even going back to the hospital, you know, where I was like, why am I the chef of a hospital? Like, but um, learning some skills there about in, this institutional food service management that I never would have pursued really opened doors later down uh, in our career. We, you know, we opened another business that did food service for schools and food service for a large office building. And so it, it's really cool, you know, later in your career to be able to look back and see how all these steps that you really didn't know why you were in that place and what God was trying to teach you, but he had a plan that was so much greater than, than we, could have, um, we could have imagined. If, we're just, if we just can you know, believe, in, believe and have faith in those moments that he knows he's got a big plan and we're just along for the ride. Mm, I love that. I, I do think you're right. I think God never wastes an experience, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. As you look back over your life, you can see how God's been orchestrating every step of the way, every job you've had or even hobby or something. And yeah. you look back and you go, if you, if you put it in the hands like you were talking about earlier, if you open your hands and just say, God, here it is, God will use all that. He'll use relationships. Absolutely. You know, when you were the, you know, chef and that guy said, well, I was one of your line cooks. Yeah. Here's a kitchen. You know, I mean, it's like you never dream that. But yeah. the way you treat people along the way and the way that you pour into people, God's building a greater story in you. And uh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. So I love and we that. We fight against it sometimes. I mean, I remember when we were down in Cool Springs and we had this kitchen that we were doing and, and uh, I just had Selma and, and um, the property management lady came in and, and she was like, oh, that's a really cute picture of your daughter. By the way, you guys have to be out in 30 days. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That was harsh, you know? And I remember fighting so hard to hold on to that. And um, one of my guys found this kitchen available downtown uh, on backpages.com, which I didn't even know that was a thing. And um, we moved down there. And I remember thinking, I mean, I was just sitting in that space and it was just uh, thinking, God, what, what are you doing to me? Like I had it so great over here. And like, why would you do this to me? Why would you, you know, it was all about me, right? But that change was instrumental. Like our business doubled after we went down there because we were right in the center and the hub of everything. And then subsequently, you know, somebody sold us that building, which was crazy. Like, who, how does that even happen? But God just played a role in that sort of thing. Uh, but had I been left to my own devices, I would have fought to stay back over here and, and not have you know, nearly the opportunities that I have now. But God had a plan that was so much greater than my own. Yeah. And it just had to let go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think so often we concentrate on what we don't have versus what we do have. Yeah. And what God is doing in our lives. And Absolutely. then we realize, man, possibilities are endless. Yeah. I and mean, I've got a great God. Totally. Oh, uh, you got time for another. Okay, this is the last supper question. What is your favorite meal? And then what is your favorite meal to prepare? Mm. Uh, favorite meal to prepare is pretty easy. Um, my abuelito, uh, Leah's father, Lito and Lita, uh, taught me how to make skirt steak fajitas. And I love, I mean, anytime you come over to our house, you're gonna get pico and guac and tortillas and skirt steak and all that stuff. And so it's just like, it just speaks of home when you walk in and, and you get all the smells and all that stuff. So that's probably my favorite meal to prepare. So dinner tonight? Yeah, just, yeah just come on by, everybody's welcome. Um, 
My favorite, what is my favorite meal? I would probably say uh, the belly ham pizza at City House, uh, if for no other reason than Tandy Wilson is a great chef and he's a good friend. And so that's what I would go with. Dude, your sticky toffee pudding has got to be up there it's, too. It's up there. I mean, yeah. that's like. And carrot souffle for carrot Steve souffle. Davis. <laughs> right there. Yeah. It's, on his, yeah. it's on his bucket list oh, too. Oh, that's awesome. All right, one more. Okay, this is from Scott Merriweather. Is Jeff jealous of Jason's beard? <laughs> going I noticed for his you own. incorporated the facial hair like just that? in time like for that this. I, don't I, know. I did that for you. So right. I need a little just for men, though, right here. Yes. So I got to yeah. work on that right there. Get the color in. Yeah. Thanks, Scott, for that question. <laughs> thanks, Merriweather. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. So, That's great. Uh, well, Jason, thanks so much. And uh, man, I just tell you, God's using you. And. Um, we just love being on this journey with you and love serving God with you. Thank you for hosting MLN at Flavor. Yeah. I mean, how great is that? And uh, thank you also for hosting Thrive. On, on so up. you got Thursday mornings and Thursday, Thursday nights. Thursday night, come on down, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, it's awesome. I mean, young adults are just packing into your place and hearing the gospel. And, you know, and I know a big reason you did that was so that you could invite a lot of your employees uh, yeah. to come and be a part, which Absolutely. is just that, that heartbeat to say, I want to share the love of Christ with others. And yeah. so thank you for modeling that for us and for sharing your heart with us. So yeah. let me pray for us right now, guys. Father, thanks for today. God, thank you for Jason and for Leah. God, I love them so much and I love serving with them here at Rolling Hills. And um, God, I just thank you for the man that he is and the man after your heart. And Father, I pray for all of us. I pray, God, just see he even spoke about legacy and his legacy to love well and to serve well, Father. And I pray that for, other, for every one of us men, I pray that we would be men who, who love well. We would love you first and foremost. We would love our spouse, God. We would love our wives really well. We'd love, Father, our children. And we would love the people that we work with. God, I pray that we would be really good um, bosses and employees and supervisors. And God, that we would impact people with the love of Christ by the way that we lead and the way that we love. So thank you for today, God. Use it to strengthen us and our leadership. Help us to grow to be the men that you've called and created us to be. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Great awesome. Job. Thank you, Jason. That's great. Okay, next week, final week, okay, last, last Men's Leadership Network for the fall series. Uh, we're going to welcome Williamson County Mayor Rogers Anderson. He's going to be here to discuss the impact of godly leaders in an election year. So we'll get going again with breakfast around 6.30, and we'll kick off at 6.55 and get you guys out around 7.45. Please join us.